Chapter Three, Part One of Glimpses of Unfamiliar Japan, First Series by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Jizo. Section One. I have passed another day in wandering among the temples, both Shinto and Buddhist. I have seen many curious things, but I have not yet seen the face of the Buddha repeatedly after long wearisome climbing of stone steps and passing under gates full of gargoyles heads of elephants and heads of lions and entering shoeless into scented twilight into enchanted gardens of golden lotus flowers of paper and there waiting for my eyes to become habituated to the dimness i have looked in vain for images only an opulent glimmering confusion of things half seen vague altar splendors created by gilded bronzes twisted into riddles by vessels of indescribable shape by enigmatic texts of gold by mysterious glittering pendant things all framing in only a shrine with doors fast closed what has most impressed me is the seeming joyousness of popular faith i have seen nothing grim austere or self-repressive i have not even noted anything approaching the solemn the bright temple courts and even the temple steps are thronged with laughing children playing curious games and mothers entering the sanctuary to pray suffer their little ones to creep about the matting and crow the people take their religion lightly and cheerfully they drop their cash in the great alms box clap their hands murmur a very brief prayer then turn to laugh and talk and smoke their little pipes before the temple entrance into some shrines i have noticed the worshippers do not enter at all they merely stand before the doors and pray for a few seconds and make their small offerings blessed are they who do not too much fear the gods which they have made section two akira is bowing and smiling at the door he slips off his sandals, enters in his white digitated stockings, and with another smile and bow, sinks gently into the proffered chair. Akira is an interesting boy, with his smooth beardless face and clear bronze skin and blue-black hair trimmed into a shock that shadows his forehead to the eyes. He has almost the appearance, in his long wide-sleeved robe and snowy stockings, of a young Japanese girl. I clap my hands for tea hotel tea which he calls chinese tea i offer him a cigar which he declines but with my permission he will smoke his pipe thereupon he draws from his girdle a japanese pipe case and a tobacco pouch combined pulls out of the pipe case a little brass pipe with a bowl scarcely large enough to hold a pea pulls out of the pouch some tobacco so finely cut that it looks like hair stuffs a tiny pellet of this preparation in the pipe and begins to smoke he draws the smoke into his lungs and blows it out again through his nostrils three little whiffs at intervals of about half a minute and the pipe emptied is replaced in its case meanwhile i have related to akira the story of my disappointments oh you can see him to-day responds akira if you will take a walk with me to the temple of zotokuin for this is the Bussoe, the festival of the birthday of Buddha. But he's very small, only a few inches high. If you want to see a great Buddha, you must go to Kamakura. There is a Buddha in that place, 
sitting upon a lotus, and he is fifty feet high. So I go forth under the guidance of Akira. He says he may be able to show me some curious things. Section 3 There is a sound of happy voices from the temple, and the steps are crowded with smiling mothers and laughing children. Entering, I find women and babies pressing upon a lacquered table in front of the doorway. Upon it is a little tub-shaped vessel of sweet tea, amacha, and standing in the tea is a tiny figure of Buddha, one hand pointing upward and one downward. The women, having made the customary offering, take up some of the tea with a wooden ladle of a curious shape and pour it over the statue, and then, filling the ladle a second time, drink a little and give a sip to their babies. This is the ceremony of washing the statue of Buddha. Near the lacquered stand on which the vessel of sweet tea rests is another and lower stand supporting a temple bell shaped like a great bowl. A priest approaches with a padded mallet in his hand and strikes the bell, but the bell does not sound properly. He starts, looks into it, and stoops to lift out of it a smiling Japanese baby. The mother, laughing, runs to relieve him of his burden, and priest, mother, and baby all look at us with a frankness of mirth in which we join. Akira leaves me a moment to speak with one of the temple attendants, and presently returns with a curious lacquered box, about a foot in length, and four inches wide on each of its four sides. There is only a small hole in one end of it, no appearance of a lid of any sort. Now, says Akira, if you wish to pay two sen, we shall learn our future lot according to the will of the gods. I pay the two sen, and Akira shakes the box. Out comes a narrow slip of bamboo, with Chinese characters written thereon. Kits, cries Akira. Good fortune. The number is fifty and one. Again, Akira shakes the box. A second bamboo slip issues from the slit. Die kits! Great good fortune. The number is ninety and nine. Once more the box is shaken. Once more the oracular bamboo protrudes. Kyo! laughs Akira. Evil will befall us. The number is sixty and four. He returns the box to a priest and receives three mysterious papers, numbered with numbers corresponding to the numbers of the bamboo slips. These little bamboo slips, or divining sticks, are called mikuji. This, as translated by Akira, is the substance of the text of the paper numbered fifty and one. He who draweth forth this mikuji, let him live according to the heavenly law and worship Kanon. If his trouble be a sickness, it shall pass from him. If he have lost aught, it shall be found. If he have a suit at law, he shall gain. If he love a woman, he shall surely win her, though he should have to wait. And many happinesses will come to him. The Daikitsu paper reads almost similarly, with the sole differences that, instead of Kanon, the deities of wealth and prosperity, Daikoku, Bishamon, and Benten are to be worshipped, and that the fortunate man will not have to wait at all for the woman loved, but the Kyo paper reads thus. He who draweth forth this Mikuji, it will be well for him to obey the heavenly law and to worship Kanon the merciful. 
if he have any sickness even much more sick shall he become if he have lost aught it shall never be found if he have a suit at law he shall never gain it if he love a woman let him have no more expectation of winning her only by the most diligent piety can he hope to escape the most frightful calamities and there shall be no felicity in his portion all the same we are fortunate declares akira twice out of three times we have found luck now we will go to see another statue of buddha and he guides me through many curious streets to the southern verge of the city section four before us rises a hill with a broad flight of stone steps sloping to its summit between foliage of cedars and maples we climb and i see above me the lions of buddha waiting the male yawning menace the female with mouth closed passing between them we enter a large temple court at whose farther end rises another wooded eminence and here is the temple with roof of blue painted copper tiles and tilted eaves and gargoyles and dragons all weather-stained to one neutral tone the paper screens are open but a melancholy rhythmic chant from within tells us that the noonday service is being held the priests are chanting the syllables of sanskrit texts transliterated into chinese intoning the sutra called the sutra of the lotus of the good law one of those who chant keeps time by tapping with a mallet cotton wrapped some grotesque object shaped like a dolphin's head all lacquered in scarlet and gold which gives forth a dull booming tone a mokugyo to the right of the temple is a little shrine filling the air with the fragrance of incense burning i peer in through the blue smoke that curls up from half a dozen tiny rods planted in a small brazier full of ashes and far back in the shadow i see a swarthy buddha tiara quaffed with head bowed and hands joined just as i see the japanese praying erect in the sun before the thresholds of temples the figure is of wood rudely wrought and rudely colored still the placid face has beauty of suggestion crossing the court to the left of the building i find another flight of steps before me leading up a slope to something mysterious still higher among enormous trees i ascend these steps also reach the top guarded by two small symbolic lions and suddenly find myself in cool shadow and startled by a spectacle totally unfamiliar dark almost black soil and the shadowing of trees immemorially old through whose vaulted foliage the sun leaks thinly down in rare flecks a crepuscular light tender and solemn revealing the weirdest host of unfamiliar shapes a vast congregation of grey columnar mossy things stony monumental sculptured with chinese ideographs and about them behind them rising high above them thickly set as rushes in a marsh verge tall slender wooden tablets like laths covered with similar fantastic lettering pierce the green gloom by thousands by tens of thousands and before i can note other details i know that i am in a hakaba a cemetery a very ancient buddhist cemetery these laths are called in the japanese tongue sotoba note 
derived from the Sanskrit stupa. End of note. All have notches cut upon their edges on both sides near the top five notches, and all are painted with Chinese characters on both faces. One inscription is always the phrase, to promote Buddhahood, painted immediately below the dead man's name. The inscription upon the other surface is always a sentence in Sanskrit, whose meaning has been forgotten even by those priests who perform the funeral rites. One such lath is planted behind the tomb as soon as the monument, Haka, is set up, then another every seven days for forty-nine days, and another one after the lapse of a hundred days, then one at the end of a year, and then one after the passing of three years, and at successively longer periods others are erected during one hundred years. And in almost every group I notice some quite new or freshly planed unpainted white wood, standing beside others grey or even black with age, and there are many still older, from whose surface all the characters have disappeared. Others are lying on the sombre clay. Hundreds stand so loose in the soil that the least breeze jostles and clatters them together. Not less unfamiliar in their forms, but far more interesting, are the monuments of stone. One shape I know represents five of the Buddhist elements, a cube supporting a sphere which upholds a pyramid on which rests a shallow square cup with four crescent edges and tilted corners, and in the cup a pyriform body poised with a point upwards. These successively typify earth, water, fire, wind, ether, the five substances wherefrom the body is shapen and into which it is resolved by death, the absence of any emblem for the sixth element, knowledge, touches more than any imagery conceivable could do. And nevertheless, in the purpose of the symbolism, this omission was never planned with the same idea that it suggests to the Occidental mind. Very numerous also, among the monuments are low, square, flat-topped shafts, with a Japanese inscription in black or gold, or merely cut into the stone itself. Then there are upright slabs of various shapes and heights, mostly rounded at the top, usually bearing sculptures in relief. Finally, there are many curiously angled stones or natural rocks dressed on one side only, with designs etched upon the smooth surface there would appear to be some meaning even in the irregularity of the shape of these slabs the rock always seems to have been broken out of its bed at five angles and the manner in which it remains balanced perpendicularly upon its pedestal is a secret that the first hasty examination fails to reveal the pedestals themselves vary in construction most have three orifices in the projecting surface in front of the monument supported by them, usually one large oval cavity with two small round holes flanking it. These smaller holes serve for the burning of incense rods. The larger cavity is filled with water. I do not know exactly why. Only my Japanese companion tells me it is an ancient custom in Japan thus to pour out water for the dead. There are also bamboo cups on either side of the monument in which to place flowers. 
many of the sculptures represent buddha in meditation or in the attitude of exhorting a few represent him asleep with the placid dreaming face of a child a japanese child this means nirvana a common design upon many tombs also seems to be two lotus blossoms with stalks intertwined in one place i see a stone with an english name upon it and above that name a rudely chiselled cross verily the priests of buddha have blessed tolerance for this is a christian tomb and all is chipped and mouldered and mossed and the grey stones stand closely in hosts of ranks only one or two inches apart ranks of thousands upon thousands always in the shadow of the great trees overhead innumerable birds sweeten the air with their trilling and far below down the steps behind us i still hear the melancholy chant of the priests faintly like a humming of bees akira leads the way in silence to where other steps descend into a darker and older part of the cemetery and at the head of the steps to the right i see a group of colossal monuments very tall massive mossed by time with characters cut more than two inches deep into the grey rock of them and behind them in lieu of laths are planted large sotoba twelve to fourteen feet high and thick as the beams of a temple roof these are the graves of priests section five descending the shadowed steps i find myself face to face with six little statues about three feet high standing in a row upon one long pedestal the first holds a buddhist incense box the second a lotus the third a pilgrim's staff tue. the fourth is telling the beads of a buddhist rosary the fifth stands in the attitude of prayer with hands joined the sixth bears in one hand the shakujo or mendicant priest's staff having six rings attached to the top of it and in the other hand the mystic jewel nioi hoju by virtue whereof all desires may be accomplished but the faces of the six are the same each figure differs from the other by the attitude only an emblematic attribute and all are smiling the like faint smile about the neck of each figure a white cotton bag is suspended and all the bags are filled with pebbles and pebbles have been piled high also about the feet of the statues and upon their knees and upon their shoulders and even upon their aureoles of stone till pebbles are balanced archaic mysterious but inexplicably touching all these soft childish faces are roku jizo the six jizo these images are called in the speech of the people and such groups may be seen in many a japanese cemetery they are representations of the most beautiful and tender figure in japanese popular faith that charming divinity who cares for the souls of little children and consoles them in the place of unrest and saves them from the demons but why are those little stones piled about the statues i ask well it is because some say the child ghosts must build little towers of stones for penance in the sai no kawara which is the place to which all children after death must go and the oni who are demons come to throw down the little stone piles as fast as the children build and these demons frighten the children and torment them 
but the little souls run to jizo who hides them in his great sleeves and comforts them and makes the demons go away and every stone one lays upon the knees or at the feet of jizo with a prayer from the heart helps some child soul in the sai no kawara to perform its long penance note the real origin of the custom of piling stones before the images of jizo and other divinities is not now known to the people the custom is founded upon a passage in the famous sutra the lotus of the good law even the little boys who in playing erected here and there heaps of sand with the intention of dedicating them as stupas to the ginas they have all of them reached enlightenment sadharma pundarika chapter two volume eighty one kern's translation sacred books of the east volume twenty one end of note all the little children says the young buddhist student who tells all this with a smile as gentle as jizo's own must go to the sai no kawara when they die and there they play with jizo the sai no kawara is beneath us below the ground note the original jizo has been identified by orientalists with the sanskrit kshitekarpa as professor chamberlain observes the resemblance in sound between the names jizo and jesus is quite fortuitous but in japan jizo has become totally transformed he may justly be called the most japanese of all japanese divinities according to the curious old buddhist book sai no kawara kuchizu sam no den the whole sai no kawara legend originated in japan and was first written by the priest kuyashonin in the sixth year of the period called tenkei in the reign of the emperor shuyaku who died in the year nine hundred forty six tukuya was revealed in the village of sai-in near kyoto during a night passed by the dry bed of the neighboring river sai no kawa said to be the modern serikawa the condition of child souls in the meido such is the legend in the book but professor chamberlain has shown that the name sai no kawara as now written signifies the dry bed of the river of souls and modern japanese faith places that river in the meido whatever be the true history of the myth it is certainly japanese and the conception of jizo as the lover and playfellow of dead children belongs to japan there are many other popular forms of jizo one of the most common being that koyasu jizo to whom pregnant women pray there are but few roads in japan upon which statues of jizo may not be seen for he is also the patron of pilgrims End of note and jizo has long sleeves to his robe and they pull him by the sleeves in their play and they pile up little stones before him to amuse themselves and those stones you see heaped about the statues are put there by people for the sake of the little ones most often by mothers of dead children who pray to jizo but grown people do not go to the sai no kawara when they die note except those who have never married End of note. and the young student leaving the rokujizo leads the way to other strange surprises guiding me among the tombs showing me the sculptured divinities some of them are quaintly touching all are interesting a few are positively beautiful the greater number have nimbi many are represented kneeling 
with hands joined exactly like the figures of saints in old christian art others holding lotus flowers appear to dream the dream that are meditations one figure reposes on the coils of a great serpent another coiffed with something resembling a tiara has six hands one pair joined in prayer the rest extended holding out various objects and this figure stands upon a prostrate demon crouching face downwards yet another image cut in low relief has arms innumerable the first pair of hands are joined with the palms together while from behind the line of the shoulders as if shadowily emanating therefrom multitudinous arms reach out in all directions vapory spiritual holding forth all kinds of objects as in answer to supplication and symbolizing perhaps the omnipotence of love this is but one of the many forms of kwanon the goddess of mercy the gentle divinity who refused the rest of nirvana to save the souls of men and who is most frequently pictured as a beautiful japanese girl but here she appears as senju kanon kanon of the thousand hands close by stands a great slab bearing upon the upper portion of its chiselled surface an image in relief of buddha meditating upon a lotus and below are carven three weird little figures one with hands upon its eyes one with hands upon its ears one with hands upon its mouth these are apes what do they signify i inquire my friend answers vaguely mimicking each gesture of the three sculptured shapes i see no bad thing i hear no bad thing i speak no bad thing gradually by dint of reiterated explanations i myself learned to recognize some of the gods at sight the figure seated upon a lotus holding a sword in its hand and surrounded by bickering fire is fudo-sama buddha as the unmoved the immutable the sword signifies intellect the fire power here is a meditating divinity holding in one hand a coil of ropes the divinity is buddha those are the ropes which bind the passions and desires here also is buddha slumbering with the gentlest softest japanese face a child face and eyes closed a hand pillowing the cheek in nirvana here is a beautiful virgin figure standing upon a lily kwanon sama the japanese madonna here is a solemn seated figure holding in one hand a vase and lifting the other with the gesture of a teacher yakushi sama buddha the all healer physician of souls also i see figures of animals the deer of buddhist birth stories stands all grace in snowy stone upon the summit of toro or votive lamps on one tomb i see superbly chiselled the image of a fish or rather the idea of a fish made beautifully grotesque for sculptural purposes like the dolphin of greek art it crowns the top of a memorial column the broad open jaws showing serrated teeth rest on the summit of the block bearing the dead man's name the dorsal fin and elevated tail are elaborated into decorative impossibilities mokugyo says akira it is the same buddhist emblem as that hollow wooden object lacquered scarlet and gold on which the priests beat with a padded mallet while chanting the sutra 
and finally in one place i perceive a pair of sitting animals of some mythological species supple of figure as greyhounds kitsune says akira foxes so they are now that i look upon them with knowledge of their purpose idealized foxes foxes spiritualized impossibly graceful foxes they are chiselled in some grey stone they have long narrow sinister glittering eyes they seem to snarl they are weird very weird creatures the servants of the rice-god retainers of inari-sama and properly belong not to buddhist iconography but the imagery of shinto no inscriptions upon these tombs corresponding to our epitaphs only family names the names of the dead and their relatives and a sculptured crest usually a flower on the sotoba only sanskrit words further on i find other figures of jizo single reliefs sculptured upon tombs but one of these is a work of art so charming that i feel a pain at being obliged to pass it by more sweet assuredly than any imaged christ this dream in white stone of the playfellow of dead children like a beautiful young boy with gracious eyelids half closed and a face made heavenly by such a smile as only buddhist art could have imagined the smile of infinite lovingness and supremest gentleness indeed so charming the ideal of jizo is that in the speech of the people a beautiful face is always likened to his jizo kao as the face of jizo End of chapter 3, part 1